That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Tom Hartman here with you. I am broadcasting from home today out of just an absolute abundance of caution because we don't have any testing kits. And I think we all need to, to, to take this seriously. I, in, in a way, I'm trying to provide an example. Um, uh, Nate and Sean, and uh, you know, we're trying to figure out how, if it's even possible for all of us to work from home to, to remotely run our show. Um, but this is this is the starting point, and you know just in case, uh, you know I've I've been on a bunch of airplanes in the last couple of weeks. Um, that's you know uh, a risk, I suppose. You know, the, I, all of us. You know, all of us. You know, we we just all need to be taking this very very thoughtfully and carefully. Tom Hanks and his wife were in Australia, and uh, he said. We felt a little tired, like we had colds and some body aches. Rita, his wife, had some chills that came and went, slight fevers. So being in Australia, of course, you know, you can walk into any clinic anywhere and get an instant virus test. And so they walked in and they got a virus test and it came back positive for both of them. Now, of course, in the United States, you can't do that. You've got to be really, really sick, which means that you've already gone through a week and a half of shedding viruses all over around everybody you know. And then, uh, you know, if you also have the flu, you won't get tested. And, and odds are, you know, no matter what, you may not get tested. I mean, this is, this is uh, just really mind-boggling stuff. And, uh, you know, I've mentioned I've got two kids who are in, in, in primary health care here in, in Portland. And um, one of them just texted me this morning. Community spread here in Portland is starting to really accelerate. We're, we're getting a lot of reports. Um, I think without being hysterical, it's time for us to get pretty, uh, pr very concerned and take this very seriously. And if you can work from home, do it essentially self-quarantine for a while, until, at least until the United States catches up with the rest of the world. Um, this, in terms of testing, I mean, this is, this is the thing. Why can't we get tested? Last night on uh, Rachel Maddow's show on, on MSNBC, she had on Ron Klein. Ron Klein is, is the guy who President Obama had put in charge of o Ebola. He was uh, Obama's Ebola czar. And... When she said to him, you know, why is it that, you know, in, in South Korea, they got drive up 
when you want to get tested, it's like, you know, it's like driving through the bank, right? Or driving through the local coffee place. You just drive up, they stick a swab in your mouth, stick it in a tube, put your name on it, and you drive off. And uh, the person taking the test is not exposed to you and you're not exposed to other people who might be positive. And as a consequence of doing this now, South Korea has tested, uh, you know, a couple hundred thousand people and is there, or over a hundred thousand people. I think maybe it's over 200. I'll, I'll find the numbers here as we go through the information. Um, as a consequence of doing this, South Korea has actually seen the numbers of infections start to level off. And, you know, they're starting to get control of the situation, but you can't have control of the situation when you don't know who's sick, particularly when the first four or five, the average time from the time a person is infected until the time they show symptoms is five days, but it can be as much as 14 days. And during much or most of that period of time, you're actually, you're actually uh, shedding viruses. And, and spreading them around. You know, thinking of my flights on the airplanes. Yesterday, there was, a, uh, there was an article in one of the science journals about how they have now figured out the surfaces that are the most hostile and the least hostile to these viruses. I mean, you have, I was telling you yesterday that um, uh, the Federal Reserve is refusing to take currency, U.S. dollars, uh, repatriated U.S. dollars, U.S. dollars that are coming back from China, the Federal Reserve is saying, no, we don't want them. China is burning their own currency and printing new currency because they believe that the, the, the disease can be passed you know, via currency. So this article that I, that I was reading yesterday was answer, answering the question, can I get the coronavirus from my mail or from the package that Amazon drops off? And it turns out that on cardboard shipping containers and things like that, the virus can last up to a day. On plastic shipping containers and plastic and, and the stuff inside the shipping container, if somebody who was infected handled it and put it in there, on plastic it can last typically one to two days. And the surface that the coronavirus likes the most, because it's completely inert, doesn't mess with it, it doesn't like copper. In copper it can only last four, four hours. But the, the surface it likes the most is stainless steel. And I'm thinking, what's, most, what's the, the, most, the thing that I'm most in contact with that's made out of stainless steel? Oh, yeah, seatbelt buckles on airplanes. And how many people have handled that seat buckle, belt buckle before I did in the last three days? And how many times has that seatbelt buckle been sterilized by the airline? I guarantee you, it's zero, right? Maybe not now. Maybe they're starting to. But, I mean, this is... so. Uh, I think we all need to get a little OCD here. Um, but anyhow, Rachel Maddow was asking uh, Ron Klein, who was, as I said, Obama's, Obama's uh, Ebola czar. She was asking Ron Klein, uh, why don't we have testing kits? Why is it that we can't identify these people who might be working in the Amazon storage place or might be delivering your food from uh, Grubhub or whatever, or might be the person sitting next to you at work um, who's just feeling a little under the weather like Tom Hanks was, or has just had a, you know, a little fever a couple days ago and some chills and it went away like Tom Hanks' wife did. Why is it that we can't identify these people? Why can't I walk down to my CVS and just say, you know, I feel a little under the weather. Would you stick that swab in my mouth and see if I've got the coronavirus? And they could do it, and they could say, nope, you don't have it, or yes, you do, you need to go home and lock the doors. You know, or, or, you, know, you know what I mean. Don't infect other people. 
Why? Well, Ron Klein, Trump's, uh, excuse me, uh, Obama's uh, czar, you know, for, for the Ebola crisis, said that uh, the word that he used was that Trump, quote, privatized the testing here in the United States. That was, that was the word of the phrase that Ron Klein used. In fact, we had recorded the show last night. I went back and played it a second time to make sure I got it right. He said that the, uh, that the, the, the tests that Trump had privatized these two were from two companies, Quest Labs and LabCorp here in the United States, big testing companies, very profitable testing companies, probably testing companies that kick a lot of money into the, the pockets of politicians, maybe even Republican politicians, who knows. But instead of, test, of taking the World Health Organization test kits, which are manufactured in three different countries now, and they're available all over the world, they're cheap, they work, they're fast, rapid results. You don't need reagents and all kinds of wacky stuff, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Um, instead of taking those World Health Organization tests, because those are, that's government stuff, right? Trump decided to privatize it. And so for three months now, we've known that this virus was coming. We've known that it's here, actually, for two and a half months. And we can't test anybody. We've tested fewer than 5,000 people nationwide. Now you've got states like uh, Washington State coming up with their own tests and saying, you know, screw the federal government, we're going to do it ourselves. And these two companies say that they're going to have tens of thousands of test kits available real soon. Remember last week, Mike Pence said it would be this week? <laughs> I don't see any. And then this raises the question, you know, Alex Azar is the head of HHS, which arguably would be in charge of a lot of this stuff. He's the, the health guy, Health and Human Services. Before that, the reason that Trump picked him for that job is because he used to be the CEO of Lilly. Lilly, when he was CEO of Lilly, he doubled the price of insulin. That was his main claim to fame, Alex Azar. So the question I'm asking and wondering is do Trump and Azar own stock in Quest and LabCorp? Is that what this is about? I mean, consider Trump just issued a travel ban to every country in Europe except the ones where he's got a, a bunch of hotels. He's got two hotels in Scotland and one in Ireland. Those are all part of the United Kingdom. No travel ban to the United Kingdom, even though they have more, more of this stuff than a lot of the other European countries. This is the Tom Hartman Program. So anyhow, we'll be taking your calls, and, and uh, but I've got a lot more to go through here on the news. Uh, you know, stick around. Tom Hartman here will be broadcasting live from home. It is getting even weirder out there with regard to the coronavirus and the economy. Of course, last night Donald Trump went on TV, told a bunch of lies, started out with a bunch of spin. This Chinese virus, at one point he called it that, he says it came from China. And then at another point he says, having to deal with a foreign virus. Well, you know, yeah, right. Um, yes, it came from China, and yes, China didn't handle it well initially, and yes, China has their act together, but it has been three months since Donald Trump was told this was coming to the United States. And he's still, I mean, he held, held a press conference this morning with the, uh, the president or prime minister of Ireland, and, uh, you know, he's still talking about, well, we just have a few thousand cases, you know, other countries have hundreds of thousands, you know. Uh, it's, this, this is... This is tragic. And that, that the President of the United States would go on TV and during a public health emergency, not talk about, in a serious way, about public health measures. We have a million hospital beds and 150,000 respirators in this country. 
they're, they're both typically between 75 and 85 percent utilization, which means we've got a couple hundred thousand hospital beds and a few tens of thousands of respirators. And we are going to need, if the new numbers that are being published right now, that the, the, there's a, a doctor for Congress, and what he told Congress yesterday is we could see 40 to 150 million people in the United States infected. Now, if that happens rapidly, and if it does happen rapidly, by the way, it'll be purely because we weren't testing people, and thus there was a lot of community spread. But if that happens rapidly, we are going to overwhelm our ability to, to offer hospitalization to people. It's just going to completely overwhelm it. And this is going to overwhelm our hospital systems. Another reason why we all need to hunker down to the extent that we can, stay out of public places and uh, you know, work from home if you can, as I'm trying to set a good example here for, uh, for you all. And, and also, you know, I just walking into my office building, I'd gotten in the habit of not opening the door with my hand, but opening it with the inside of the coat of my uh, the pocket, yeah, the, coat, uh, the pocket of my coat. Or, you know, I wear my gloves until I'm inside the office. It's kind of cold here. It was 35 this morning. So, so, but anyhow, you got, you know, Trump just telling these lies. And he wasn't talking. This is, this is why the, the Dow Jones uh, futures last night dropped all the way to the circuit breaker, all the way to five points in the, in the, in the hour around his speech was because he didn't come out and say, we have a public health emergency that is going to require a public health response. And so I am all, uh, right now ordering, I'm declaring a state of emergency so that to open to, to release $40 million of FEMA funds. We're going to have FEMA set up in our major cities. We're going to have FEMA set up basically triage units, mass units, where, where we, can, we can have functional uh, essentially little mini ICUs and we can deal with people separate from the hospitals so that the hospital so if somebody has a heart attack they're not going to go to the hospital and contract the coronavirus right I mean this is what he should have said as a starting point he should have said you know everybody in America will be able to get tested with or without a doctor's slip we don't want to overwhelm our doctors Everybody in America can give it to, you know, just like in South Korea right now, you can just drive up. If you think you should be tested, that's good enough. Go down to your local CVS and get tested. Go to your local, you know, gas station and get tested. Whatever it may be. I mean, these, this is what he should have been saying. Instead, he gave us happy talk. And he tried to talk the stock market back up. And he talked about how, you know, we've got the greatest healthcare system in the world. No, we're 34 in the world in terms of, of maternal and infant mortality. We're at the bottom of the OECD countries. We're, we're, in, the, we're in, the, in the bottom middle in terms of just lifespan. And now we're discovering that one of the key in, ingredients for these test kits it's called a reagent, or you know, a, a reagent is something that, well, in this case, what it's used to do is uh, you take your, your saliva or whatever and you put it in the reagent and it basically breaks up, it's a chemical that breaks up the cell membranes, um, both the nucleus, both the outer cell membrane and the nuclear cell membrane, the nucleus of the cell, 
exposing the DNA to the liquid. So then you can take the, you know, you can extract the DNA and, and you know, look for DNA specific to the coronavirus. Okay, so, you, so that's how you do it. Well, those reagents are running, we're running, the world is running out of those reagents, which is not a problem for South Korea and China and a lot of other countries that, that have uh, lots and lots of reagents. But it is a problem for us here in the United States. And now you've got uh, Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. They wanted to start doing coronavirus tits, kits, tests, but they couldn't obtain the RNA extraction kits. Mangling tests and kits, my apologies. Um, they said that this is a shortage now. Judd Legum reporting over at popular.info. This is a problem in labs across the country. Uh, the con there's one company that makes these. It's called Quiagen. It's a Dutch diagnostics company. Trump could have talked last night about how we're going to, they, they actually have a manufacturing facility uh, here in, in Massachusetts, in the United States, uh, or in Maryland, rather. Um, he could have said, you know, we're going we're to help ma manufacture more of these test kits. But no, he's outsourced this to a couple of big lab companies. And, you know, and this is, this is where we're at. And don't forget, you know, back in 2018, two years ago, Trump fired and closed down, or actually John Bolton did it on Trump's orders, fired and shut down the offices in the, in the, uh, in the Homeland Security Department and the uh, Office of National Security, the, the National Security Director's Office, that were in charge of pandemic diseases. So we're really behind the eight ball here, and there's nobody in the White House doing anything of, of You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. And what was Trump's big solution for the economy last night? Oh, we're going to help out workers and everybody else. We're going to let Nancy Pelosi figure it out. Right. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity, and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance, so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. 
They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So a little more coronavirus news. The entire country of Norway just shut down. This is from theweek.com. If you think things have gotten bad in the United States, where we've canceled St. Patrick's Day parades and the NBA just suspended their season, just wait till you hear about Norway. Starting Thursday, that's today, the small Nordic country announced measures that will be the most extensive Norway's population has experienced in peacetime. That's a quote from the Norwegian government. Here's exactly what they're doing. And frankly, I think that probably fairly soon, you are going to see cities in the United States doing the same thing. I'm frankly surprised that some of the suburbs of Seattle haven't done this, and I hope that they're having conversations about this in other places, in Portland and other places. And I realize that this is a huge hit to small businesses, and we need to do something about that. Congress needs to do something about that. Trump gave it some lip service last night. He is making no specific proposals. He's expecting Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell to handle all this. Nancy Pelosi can do it. In fact, she's got legislation right now in the pipeline to deal with this. But Mitch McConnell is like, eh, well, we'll get to that in a second. But anyhow, back to Norway. Bent Hull, Norwegian Minister of Health and Care, told the Norwegian broadcaster NRK, in addition to kindergartens, child care facilities, schools, and universities closing nationwide and a ban on professional and amateur sports, the entire country of Norway is also requiring all hairdressers, massage clinics, gyms, and tattoo parlors to close. Cultural events are banned. Museums, pools, and libraries are closed. While grocery stores will be allowed to remain open, restaurants, bars, pubs, and nightclubs are required to close if they can't guarantee a three-foot distance between patrons. All buffets are, are shut down. Anyone entering Norway from any other country outside of the Nordic, the three, three or four Nordic countries will be required to home quarantine regardless of symptoms. One of the most drastic measures taken in Europe so far. Healthcare officials are no longer allowed to travel abroad and the country is encouraging its citizens who are traveling abroad to return home at once. All of Europe has 632 positive cases as of this morning, and they, which is you know, fewer than the United States, and all of Europe has a population that's about three, two and a half, three, I think there's 800 million people in Europe. Um, 
larger than the United States, but this is where we're at. And meanwhile, you know, Trump says, we're going to ban travel from Europe. Well, we're not. We're not going to ban Americans traveling to and from Europe. And we're not going to ban anyone who wants to travel to uh, Ireland or Scotland, the, the countries uh, where there are three Trump properties that are all struggling. And uh, or England, where, you know, well, actually all three, arguably. Boris Johnson is the prime minister and he's Trump's good buddy and they campaigned for each other and all this kind of stuff. So that is what's going on. And it is to call it a mess would be an understatement. Robert and Kimberly, Oregon. Hey, hey, Robert, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, big fan. Thanks. Keep up the good work. So Thanks. a month ago or so, you said that the contagious rate or the level of passability was mm -hmm. relatively low compared to malaria and such. How did, did that change? Or I don't or, know that I ever compared it to malaria, or if I did, I would have been reading from something. It's typically right. been compa think you compared were. to the flu or the common cold. It appears that transmission rates, it's called the r naught. Uh, which is the number of people that the average person will infect, basically, right. is between two and three. In an environment where you have no testing, I'm right. guessing that that number is going to be much higher. So this morning, Morning Joe, doctor said, quote unquote, it will be back in the fall, presuming it's going to take a break for the summer. But Tom Hanks and his wife are in summer in Australia now. How? Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't know if this virus is seasonal. I mean, the seasonality, yeah, the seasonality of the flu um, and, and, the, and the common cold seem to have to do with those viruses preferring, uh, or, or let, me, let me rephrase that, not liking very dry air, that the viruses don't live as long in real dry air. And, sure. or, or no, it's the other way around, I'm sorry. They don't like moist air um, in the presence of moisture. And so uh, the, the viruses are more transmissible when the air is more dry, which is, which is you know, the winter. Uh, in, the, in the Northern Hemisphere, it's the summer in the Southern Hemisphere. Or at least that's one theory. I don't, I don't know if this is actual scientific fact I'm sharing with you. I've read this. Um, I, another theory that I read is that, is that the flu is something that we interchange with birds. Now, there are, of course, swine variations, pig variations as well. But, you know, these uh, flocks of geese and, and ducks and things uh, migrate, and that might have something to do with it. There's been a lot of theories over the years. But the bottom line is we don't have any idea. Are, are countries in the Southern Hemisphere reporting cases of COVID-19 currently? Yes. Yes, they are. And, and uh, we haven't seen large outbreaks like we've seen in the North. Well, you know, large chunks of China, if not in the Southern Hemisphere, they're in the, the Florida, Southern Georgia kind of climate areas. In fact, I believe Wuhan is. I could be wrong on that. It might be more center of the country. We just don't know yet if this is going to be a seasonal disease. The flu in 1919 started out in the spring as kind of an obnoxious, yeah, it killed a bunch of people, but it went away in the summer and everybody thought, okay, everything's good. And then it came back in the fall and that's when it did the most damage. Dave in Ocean View, Hawaii. Hey, Dave, how's Hawaii dealing with all this? I hear you have at least one case on one of the islands there. They say there's two controversy, you know, over one way or the other. We're so remote. It's hard to say really here how the coronavirus handle is. I'm an artist. I deal my stuff at flea markets and fairs. I wear gloves. 
face mask. I got to shake hands, interchange with money. It's pretty yucky. I'm not real happy about it, but what do you do? You just do your best and move along. But um, what I, one of the questions is why yesterday at the press conference with the president, why doesn't a reporter stand up and go, Mr. President, why are you lying to us? Why doesn't somebody do that? There was a reporter who did that, and I think it might have been Kristen Welker, although I could be completely wrong. But there was a reporter who did that about a year ago, and she got permanently banned from the White House. So that's Um, why. Free Speech TV should hire her. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, you, you know, I, I mean, really. But, but she's not going to get back into the White standing House. Standing up and doing this, are they are that afraid? You know, Jim Jim Acosta is right at the edge of it. You know, Jim Acosta, day before yesterday in the White House, uh, confronted Trump on one of his lies. He didn't use the word lie, but he said uh, words to the effect of, "Sir, what you're saying is simply not true." And uh, Trump threw a hissy fit and and ended the the meeting and refused to answer his then question. Then we should be throwing um, more hissy fits. Yeah. More people yeah. need to stand up to the president, personally stand up to the president. Yeah, it's, it's with terrible. Um, yeah. And I have no just disagreement here. quickies. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I'm a first-time voter. I registered the first time to vote in my entire life. Mm-hmm. I'm 62. Mm-hmm. Never voted since high school at the prom date. Um, this is so important for people to understand what's going to happen to us. And, and nobody seems to really care. Well, it, I think it if really you, seems if out you, there. You, you talk to people. There's a lot of people that are mad. And there's a lot more people that are just, I'm so fed up, I just can't do anything. Mm-hmm. They're, I, they're I, afraid. You know, yeah, and, and, and it's not going to be any easier if we're in the middle of a coronavirus epidemic in the United States yeah, where, do we where people are afraid this? to go to vote. And this is yeah. why Ron Wyden has introduced legislation to, requ- to give all the states a couple hundred million bucks to, the, I think it was $400 million to all the states to, uh, so that they can start running the printing presses right now so that every state can send a vote-by-mail ballot to every registered voter in every state for the November election. And if we start planning for it right now, we can do it. Um, but, we need to. You know, we need to, we need to, to do it. something. The American people are in such dire straits right now that they don't understand. Yeah, I'm with you. You're listening to Tom Hartman. The top story over at Raw Story, coronavirus funding held up by GOP around abortion. Republicans are holding up progress on legislation for coronavirus because of abortion. Bloomberg News reporter Eric Wasson reported that the Republican Party wants language about the Hyde Amendment. Uh, He tweeted, a key sticking point in the talks appears to be the Republican demand to include Hyde Amendment language in the bill to prevent federal funding from being used for abortion. We're going to appropriate money to help people and build out our medical infrastructure around the coronavirus. And we've got to add language to this that says, oh, and by the way, none of this can be used for abortion. 
And uh, so, you know, the Twitter sphere. Oh, I see. Saving fetuses over actual lives again. Now tell me who's pro-life? Pressing women is always relevant to the GOP. Always. And of course the GOP does this. They can pound sand. Yeah, I would say at the very least. Jerry in D-Land, Florida. Hey, Jerry. I'm a professional custodian. I have taken classes on disinfecting with bleach. The Mm -hmm. capsule is for disinfecting a gallon of water for drinking. You let it sit for 12 to 24 hours and you can drink it. If you want to so that's like if you if you have a gallon of river water and you want to disinfect it, that's you put right. a cap full well, of bleach. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but anyway, um, the uh, <laughs> in an emergency, bodily yes, bodily fluids is ten percent. No matter what the amount of water is, ten percent of bleach will disinfect blood, uh, saliva, the fecal matter, things of that nature. I'm also on the Thank Department of Energy that. website. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you have you read the Department of Energy website, the Corona Hub's first paragraph? No. <laughs> it's the coronavirus hub. It says this. The Trump administration has taken a, action to aggressively prepare for any coronavirus development, including requesting new funding and authorities from Congress. Because of the decisive action taken early on by President Trump, the risk of infection for Americans remains low. And precious time has been gained to implement a whole-of-government response. Thank you, Department of Energy. Yeah, I got an an email this morning from Trump, uh, you know, one of his fundraising emails, and it said, you know, go check out our website on the coronavirus. I'm I'm guessing it linked to that page that you're telling me about. Um, Yes, it's on the Department of Energy. We are so screwed. This is amazing. Anyhow, thank you. Good health to you you and your family, sir. Good health to you and your family, too, Jerry. Thank you. Tom Harbin here with you, broadcasting live from home today, probably for a little while. Kenyatta in uh, Los Angeles. Hey, Kenyatta, what's on your mind today? Well, I am uh, an SLE, systemic lupus patient, and I'm approaching my mid-50s. And I've got a daughter, as you have spoken with you before, that's in uh, private university, so class sizes are small, but she also, like a lot of college students, uh, works in a restaurant. So it's, uh, it's a little anxious around here. Um, yeah, I can imagine. What, what I wanted to talk about is what France Fanon called the wretched of the earth. And as you know, Tom, 15% uh, roughly of the population in the United States is black or African-American or Negro or whatever we're called today. Uh, but ironically, the one place in this country where we are a majority is in prison. And prisons are petri dishes for this type of thing. Now, you don't have prisoners probably getting on planes and going to Asia or different parts of the world, but you do have people that they interact with that do. These are people that are already marginalized, just as they are in the society at large, when they're not in prison. And just as you have been so outspoken on the outcomes for black people in this country, um, routinely are very difficult. Same situation, same condition, same illness, worse than any other group. I'm really concerned about these folks, and, and, and with everyone kind of in this, uh, in this kind of anxious state, I, I don't want to forget about these people because, you know, frankly, that's what I'm all about, speaking for people who, who no one speaks uh, for. And if you've ever had experience in a uh, prison or a jail, uh, these are people that are uh, subject to incredible abuse. 
And that certainly would go to the medical area. I finally want to say, you know, what, what really uh, brought this to my attention is here in California, the governor has uh, suspended for an, uh, an unknown period of time visits to prison. And one of the things that uh, prison guards do is they notice who gets visits, who gets mail, who doesn't. And it's those prisoners who don't get visits uh, and don't get mail that are that are that are uh, generally uh, more subject to abuse i mean this is a, i know it's a tough subject mm. but i'm really worried i'm really worried about these folks and i kind of just wanted to hear your thoughts on that because i haven't really heard anyone speak on all good points kenyatta and i would add that the prison medical systems are not equipped to deal with large-scale serious illness i mean you know they hit congestion levels during flu season when you've got a disease where 10, 15, 20% of the people who get that disease need hospitalization, as is the case with this coronavirus, there's not a prison in America that's ready for this. And it may not be brought in by visitors. And how do they, get, tra- how do they the- get transported? And how do they get transported yeah, to those exactly. hospitals? They have to all get on buses? Right. Well, and not only that, I mean, what, what hospital is going to take them? It's exactly. The, the, the entire well, system is all screwed I think that if this coronavirus starts popping up in our jails, and I think it's just a matter of time, and yes, I've been in jail. I spent 10 days, in, which is not a whole lot, 10 days in jail back in the 60s when, when I got busted for being in the SDS and, you know, and protesting and stuff. You know, and that was just a county jail, but that was, that was a real crap hole. <laughs> it was, mm-hmm. And I can't imagine what it would be like in prison. I've seen the movies, you know, but um, uh, I, I would not want to go. And um, so, A, we need to start reducing our prison population real systematically, really rapidly, because it is, it, it's going to overwhelm the prison system. Because um, th- it's going to be brought in by the guards. I mean, you know, the guards have families and they've got kids that are going to public schools and the public schools are going to be start one of the principal vectors of this, I predict. Uh, they certainly were in China and they were in Italy. And from what we're hearing, and that, you know, that, and boom, you know, there you go. So number one. Number two, um, we need to, and I think New York State has already done this, or maybe it's just like New York City. Um, I don't recall if it was de Blasio or Cuomo, uh, who has uh, basically said anybody who is not in jail right now, who is awaiting trial, criminal trial, we're going to postpone the trials until this is all over. Um, but we need to look at the people who are in jail because they can't make bail. And now is a good time to, just, to start getting those people out of jail, because that's hundreds of thousands of people across the United States who don't represent a threat to anybody. They would be let out if they were wealthy enough to put up bail. They're just not. And we need to end cash bail, and this could be an, you know, a moment to do that, too. So those, are, those were the thoughts that went through my mind when you brought this up. Did you want to make a final point? Yeah, I did. And, and I absolutely agree with all that. But, but my concern here is when uh, Governor Newsom uh, issued this uh, proclamation or mandate uh, recently, I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was the last few days. My concern is them not having visits. Again, uh, they're already marginalized. And if you don't have people coming to check on you, they're not going to no, no, Who's going to tell what's going on? It may already be a problem. Well, and, and, you know, one way to, to somewhat ameliorate that might be to, uh, you know, expand the ability of people in jail to have access to things like Zoom and Skype. Um, the problem is that, you know, the phone, as you know, the phone systems in jail is a giant money-making scam for, for you know, yep. friends of the administrations of the various states. 
and uh, you know prisoners are, are charged obscene amounts of money to use telephones, and so they'll probably figure out a way to screw the prisoners on Skype or, or Zoom, but, but I'm with you. Kenyatta, got to move along, but thank you for the call. Uh, always thoughtful. Paul in Glenside, Pennsylvania. Hey, Paul, what's up? Hi, Tom. Um, I wanted to talk about the, uh, I guess, like the stress level and the anxiety level from what's going on with the spread of the virus and mm-hmm. the failure and also some of the um, uh, forces of, of government uh, or more on the local level to respond to it. Um, I think that uh, certainly we, we feel a sense of, of helplessness in the face of the complete incompetence of the government on the national level to do anything at all. But here in uh, Glenside, which is within the Philadelphia region, um, there's been a lot of very proactive response. Many of the college campuses are closing down. Uh, Philadelphia has uh, an Ivy League school, Penn. I mean, they're, they're going to... Um, uh, completely no more no more classrooms uh sporting events i mean you might have heard everyone's probably heard now the nba has suspended their season i think we're going to see in very rapid succession the people of the united states will take control of this country in a way not in a governmental way not in a coup like way but take control of our our lives on the day-to-day basis of transactions in a way that the government is quite frankly afraid to, to do even if we had, you know, Pericles in charge of America because of the individualistic streak in most Americans. Right, well, right I don't, I don't think it's that so much, Paul. I, you know, if you look at the planning that Obama did for if Ebola got out loose in America, and back in 2009, the, the planning that the Obama administration did, and Ron Klein has talked about this at length on a number of programs that they did back in 2009 around swine flu. Um, thinking, or the H1N1 flu, whatever, bird flu, whatever it was, thinking that that was going to be a very, very deadly flu that might be on par with the 1919 flu pandemic. Turns out it wasn't. In fact, it was less deadly than normal seasonal flu. But, you know, if you look at the planning they did, it was extensive, it was in-depth, it was, it was collaborative with the states. The Trump administration has shut down all those offices. They did that two years ago to, quote, save money. And so that they could have oh, yeah. you know, more money yeah, to give well, tax cuts to billionaires. I mean, this this is a very I, different I, thing. And I yeah, agree. we've all lived through 9/11, and we've we've been through you know crises in you know in the Cuban Missile Crisis and everything else. But that was all out there stuff. You know, yeah, 3,000 people in New York died. That was a crisis that changed the face of America. But it wasn't in here in my house. It wasn't my next door neighbor. And and when our hospitals, when you've got a disease where your morbidity rate, not mortality, not the death rate. But the people getting so sick that they need hospitalization. With the flu, it's, you know, 1%, something like It's very, very low. You know, just like it's one-tenth of 1% people die. And it's, and it's an identifiable population, people in nursing homes and things. But with this, you're going to have 10, 15% of these of people infected with this are going to need a hospital bed. And we only have 150,000 uh, generally available hospital beds nationwide. We've lost a half a million hospital beds in the last 15 years through hospital consolidation as these giant monopolies are, are no, I, I, and in I, rural areas I agree. because they because these red states won't take Medicaid. Even even if we had the biggest hospital system in, in the world, we still wouldn't have millions of beds. What I'm saying is it, it's going to be bad. However, 
we're going to come through this. Not everyone's going to be alive. I mean, I'm 63. I have a heart condition. Maybe I'll make it. Maybe I won't. I don't know. I'm not leaving my apartment. I have a lot of hand sanitizer. I have bleach. I eat organic foods. I mean, I, I don't intend to just roll over and die. What I'm saying is... No, I get is, it, Paul. No, we're, we're, trying, to, trying to just ramp it down. I get it. Thank you very listening much. listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And that is that uh, delicate balance, and Paul speaks to it very eloquently, between panic or despair, for that matter, and complacency. Tab Harmon here with you live from my home office in Portland, Oregon. Senator Patty Murray is trying to speed emergency paid sick leave legislation. Now, this is very simple and very focused, right? Earlier, I said that the coronavirus stuff, the, the you know, money for, for uh, hospitals and things like that, um, the Republicans in the Senate are blocking because they want uh, language that uh, anti-abortion language written into the bill. But this is just sick leave, right? This is not medical stuff, and so they're not freaking out. The, the Republicans aren't throwing abortion hissy bits on it. Instead, uh, this, Senator Patty Murray tried to speed the progress of the emergency paid sick leave bill. This is so that the restaurant that you go to, if you're still going to restaurants, the person who's making your food and serving your food, or the Grubhub or, or Uber or whatever it may, delivery driver who's bringing the food to you, who doesn't have paid days off, paid sick days, or the, uh, the Amazon delivery person who may not have paid uh, sick days. I frankly don't know about that, but I know that they contract with a lot of secondary parties that definitely don't. That those people aren't working sick, spreading disease, and, and they won't be destroyed, you know, won't end up homeless if they, if they have to take a month off work to get sick and get over getting sick. So Senator Patty Murray is trying to get this uh, emergency paid sick leave bill to a full vote in the Senate. And uh, Republican Senator Lamar Alexander blocked it. He uh, did a procedural maneuver that stuck the bill in the Senate Health Committee. This is nuts. This uh, Daily Kos piece by Laura Clausen notes, uh, Senate Democrats are, are not going to quit trying to pass paid sick leave, and House Democrats are going to pass it this week through the House of Representatives. Meanwhile, Ron Wyden is looking at a coming election disaster. I mean, what happens if people are afraid to go to the polls? Colorado, Hawaii, and Utah all entirely vote by mail. Ron Wyden has introduced legislation in the Senate to appropriate 500 million bucks. That's like 30 seconds of the federal budget. 500 million dollars of federal funding to give to the states so every state can mail out mail-in ballots for the November election to everybody in their state who's a registered voter. So that people won't have to stand in line and they won't have to touch surfaces like on touchscreen machines that have been touched by hundreds of people before them. Upside, this may be the death of the touchscreen voting machine, by the way. But Wyden says no voter should have to choose between exercising their constitutional right and putting their health at risk. And so he wants to provide every voter with a paper ballot that can either return by mail or drop off at a drop-off point. Jocelyn in Tacoma, Washington. Hey, Jocelyn, what's up? I'm actually home. I am a middle school student who my mom took me out of school due to coronavirus. Because mm-hmm. there's been an outbreak in Washington, mm-hmm. and she's wise. Like, yeah, and 
we are very worried about everything that's going on here because we have had a lot of cases going on through this mm-hmm. whole Washington state. You just wanted to give us a, a flag that you're a student and, and yeah. uh, is your school closed or did your mom just pull um, you out? No, my school should be closed, I think, at least, because I'm around an area that has had cases and schools have closed multiple schools near me. Well, Jocelyn, thanks for calling in and thanks for sharing your story with us. And I wish you the very best and stay safe. Okay. 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 Thanks a lot. Great to hear from you. Norma in Montgomery, Alabama. Hey, Norma, what's on your mind? Well, here in Alabama, we don't have a case yet. What we have is sinus infections because everything's in full bloom. So if I cough, I'm not mm-hmm. sick. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> At least that you know. I, I don't know how many test kits uh, Alabama has. Oh, there are none here. Remember, Ten? we had a governor named Bentley who was, he never expanded Medicaid because he was protecting us from Obama. And since then, we've had nine outbreaks of tuberculosis. We had a serious outbreak of hepatitis A. We have three small hospitals here in this town. But uh, UAB, I don't know how Birmingham would handle, you know, the mess. It's the largest city. But um, as a disabled person, I have always faced problems of taking care of myself. And for those of you who are worried about how you're going to manage, one of the things you can do is go ahead and start cooking. I always use my turkey roaster. It's not a once-a-year deal, people. Grab the thing, stuff it full of chickens because you eat protein, Throw in potatoes, carrots, and onions, cook it, divide the meat, put it in the freezer, and you can make uh, TV dinners to take to your elders and hand it to them through the door so you don't contaminate them. You can, mm-hmm. you know, cook ahead. When I go to the store, I only eat organic. I always cook the whole bag of rice. I cook every box of pasta I buy. I divide it up. I freeze it. I stack it. And because I have <laughs> to eat the protein for my uh, cardiac meds, it's a protein-bound drug, I eat the chicken. And so I can take the chicken meat, throw it in the wok, add some frozen rice, add some soy sauce, some honey, add vegetables. I have Chinese. I can take out a package and throw in barbecue sauce, and I have barbecue sandwiches. I can make chicken salad sandwiches. And that, that lasts me for quite a while because I'm a single person here. But, you know, not being able to know when I will be able to stand up each day. I have multiple problems. I have downward nystagmus, hand problems, eye problems. I plan ahead. And if you do this, you can make it, folks. There you go. Norma, thank you. Thanks for sharing your story with us. These are actually hopeful stories. These are not the kind of things that scare the hell out of people. This is, yes, we can pull through this. And we will. It's going to be tough, but we will pull through this. Norma, thank you. Thank you so much. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. 
By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you'll recall a couple of days ago that Marilyn, I believe was her name, called up and she had talked with us before, said that she was the mother of a young man who had been a Marine and then he got out and he couldn't get a, find a job that had health care. So he re-enlisted uh, into the National Guard and they shipped him off to Afghanistan. He was telling her, you know, talking to mom, telling her that a bunch of guys on his base in his company were sick with a dry cough and a high fever, and they could not get coronavirus test kits to determine what it was they had, but the country of Afghanistan has reported five cases, so, you know, coronavirus is in Afghanistan. And I told her that I would forward her information along to Congressman Mark Pocan and Congressman Ro Khanna. And I spoke with Ro Khanna on the phone yesterday, and he, his chief of staff called her, and they're still looking into it. And uh, I haven't spoken with Mark Pocan yet. He's going to be with us tomorrow. But I saw this story. He did send me back a note saying, you know, I'm on it. Um, and, but here's this story in today's uh, 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 Huffington Post. And this is by Molly Redden. Uh, Amid concerns that the coronavirus may spread at U.S. military facilities in countries experiencing big outbreaks, 
The Department of Defense has not said if all facilities abroad have the means to test people for the virus. Representative Mark Pocan, Democrat of Wisconsin, said in a statement, quote, We asked the Department of Defense whether the Army has coronavirus testing kits physically at all bases abroad. After following up, they, were still unab- they are still unable to tell us a yes or no answer. Does every military base overseas have current access to coronavirus test kits? A Defense Department official did not immediately respond to a request for more information. A senior Pentagon official told Pocan's office to anticipate more information on Friday, but, quote, provided no real answers, end quote, as of Thursday. That would be today. And then they, they uh, go on and they say, uh, Pocan's office contacted the Pentagon based on a report that several military personnel on a base in Afghanistan were experiencing flu-like symptoms, which are a potential sign of infection. The unnamed military base is a few miles from a town in Afghanistan with five known cases of COVID-19, Pocan said, and 75 miles from the border with Iran, where cases of the virus have surpassed 10,000. It is not clear where personnel have conducted operations or what other precautions might be in place. Um, and then Pocan wraps it up. He says, the fact that we cannot figure out this basic answer for our troops serving abroad is very concerning. I hope that the military can get us a definitive answer immediately. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Ivan in Chicago. We have a pandemic. First of all, the lawmakers need to max out funding so that we have first responders and healthcare workers have the hazmat suits and everything else they need. Well, the first step is for Trump to declare a state of emergency so that FEMA can unlock their $40 billion war chest and, if necessary, in particularly hard-hit areas, um, you know, start opening basically, you know, triage units and mash mash units kind of things to take the load off uh, local hospitals and things. But Trump won't do that because he's afraid that it'll make the stock market go down even farther because it'll look bad. Well, who cares? The lawmakers need to pass laws. And let Trump I agree. Trump. I agree. And, and and Nancy Pelosi is getting this stuff out of the House. And Patty Murray tried to introduce legislation into the Senate um, that would that would deal with, uh, you know, people not not being paid because they can't go to work. And it got killed by Lamar Alexander. And there's another piece. I'm not sure who introduced it, but I was talking about it earlier. Uh, yeah. Here's the story right here. Uh, let's see who introduced this. Uh, it doesn't say who introduced it. Okay. Republicans are holding up progress on legislation for coronavirus because of abortion. Uh, the key sticking point in the talk appears to be the Republican demands to include Hyde Amendment language in the bill to prevent any federal funding from being used for abortion. This is not legislation that has anything to do with abortion. It's to fund, you know, provide additional funding to our hospitals. But Ivan, spot on. You are absolutely right. Thank you for the call. Janet in Evans, Colorado. Hey, Janet, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. How you doing? Good. What's up? Um, I have a question for you. You're staying home because, you know, you don't want to be subject, you know, to people that are sick and stuff like that. And alternatively, I don't want to give it to anybody because I was just on a bunch of airplanes and I'm still within that three week window when I could become symptomatic. And if I picked something up, I don't want to be giving it to Nate and Sean. Right, right. And so far, I don't think um, I'm just north of Denver. And so I think so far we don't really have any cases that I've heard of. Um, But I'm trying to avoid going out into public because, you know, I've had asthma my whole life. So I I consider myself high risk. And in 10 days, I have jury duty. 
And so this is something that you can't voluntarily or involuntarily attend. You have to be there. And you know I'm going to be in a room with a whole bunch of people, and, you know, everybody will be coughing and everything else. So I'm just wondering. Have you bailed you know, out of jury mean, duty before, Janet? Have I done what? Have you bailed out of jury duty? You know, when they send you your notice, you can send them back a letter saying, I'd like to have, you know, I'd like to postpone this one time. And then six months or a year later, they'll come back and say, it's time for jury duty right. this time. You, in no, most I haven't. States, but I was. OK. Well, I was. I would, do, I would contact them right now and just say, you know, uh, given the public health situation right now, I, I, I will not come in for jury duty, but I'm not going to shirk my civic responsibility. And once this crisis is over, I would be happy to serve. And I would be amazed if you got any pushback at all. Okay, because it says on there, you know, like if there's a reason that, you know, you want to, um, you know, delay it or whatever, you have to do it by the 9th. And I just Mm -hmm. read it yesterday, so it's a little bit past the 9th. You think they'll still cooperate? I think they will. And, and, you know, if you want to make sure that they could, well, yeah, you might, if you get a doctor's note, um, if you have been in any large public meetings in the last couple of weeks, your doctor might be stretching things a little bit to say, or you might be to say, I may have been exposed to the coronavirus and I am self-quarantining because I don't have access to a test kit. Um, that might do it. Um, you know, normally I encourage people to do their civic duty and do jury duty, but I would not do jury duty right now. Yeah, because, you know, no, nobody has talked about it, you know, and this is, you know, something that, you know, everybody's going to get a notice every day. And it's like, oh, you have to appear for jury duty. And it's like, I don't think so. You know, I'm guessing a lot of trials that are non, you know, uh, I believe it was New York State. It might have been California, but one of our states just said we're not going to have any trials where the person is not in jail. We're only going to have trials for people who are in jail. in other words, the really serious cases. And, yeah, because, you know, uh, Governor Polis has already, you know, got us on a state of emergency. Right, right. So, you know, you could reference all those things. But I, I would be very worried about that. Janet, thank you for the call. Good luck. And, you know, let us know how it works out. It reminds me of something, by the way, that I've been writing about that will be popping up probably in the next week or two if it can push through the coronavirus uh, concerns. And that is that um, there was a decision by the Supreme Court. It was called Ex Parte Milligan in 1866. And um, I don't recall if it was Lincoln, Lincoln or Johnson. If it was Lincoln, you know, it would have been before the court for a year or so um, before they finally made the decision. If it was Johnson, it would have been more contemporary. I think it was Lincoln, though. Wanted to try a civilian with a military court. Now, of course, this was during the or immediately after the Civil War. Um, And the Supreme Court said in Ex parte Milligan, you may not use uh, the the functions, the facilities of martial law, that is to say a military court. You may not use a military court to try civilians. But if you dig into and you can just you can read this yourself. I just was reading it yesterday. Um, If you dig into Ex parte Milligan, the Supreme Court goes on to say, that if the courts are unable to meet because of a national crisis, if the, uh, if the courts are unable to pull together a jury because of a national crisis, then declaring martial law is within the province of the president and using military tribunals 
to try civilians is acceptable. So uh, that really raised my eyebrows because I'm thinking Trump, you know, I'm thinking, how does he declare martial law? Well, if we hit a point where enough of our court system has been crippled to meet that relatively vague threshold that the Supreme Court set in 1866 in Ex parte Milligan, Trump could de declare martial law and say that anybody that, you know, he's got a dispute with is going to be tried before a military tribunal instead of a civilian tribunal. And under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, military tribunals are very, very different things than civilian tribunals. Chandler in Russellville, Arkansas. Hey, Chandler, what's on your mind? The trucking industry. So if anybody's really talk, thought about that concept, about spreading... Are you a trucker? ...across the country. I am. I was thinking are about truckers talking about this about among themselves? I haven't really talked to anybody about it myself. You know, I've, I lean to the left, and most truckers are conservatives. So I let them think the putz is the perfect guy running the country. So, who knows? Yeah, and that's the message you know, on Fox bad. News and on Right Wing Hate Radio is don't worry, be happy. And, uh, yeah. you know, and sadly, that's what a lot of those guys listen to that stuff, too. So. Yep, and yeah. sadly, I think you're going to have a lot of dead conservatives as a result. Chandler, thanks a lot for the call. Don't forget, democracy ain't a spectator sport, buddy. Get out there, get active. Or stay home and get active. Tag your it and tell your friends how they can find progressive media. Thanks again for being with us, and we will see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.